0: Hi, welcome to The GalaPod, with me, Galapasidia In this episode, I'm reading chapters 13 through 17 of my story, The Bucket List. This is the last part of the fic. After you've finished, make sure you check out the bonus episode, where I talk about the criticism that inspired me to write The Bucket List, my favourite characters, and the most meaningful comment I received on the story. Content warning, this story does contain themes of terminal illness, but it also has a happy ending. I hope you enjoy The Bucket List. Chapter 13 Number 257. Learn to embroider. Why not? Ron and Hermione stared at him in appalled silence. "'Say something,' said Harry. "'But... you're in love with Lamarack,' said Ron. "'I almost was, yeah,' said Harry. "'You haven't liked anyone this much since Ginny,' said Hermione. "'Funnily enough, that's not helpful, given that Lamarack is both secretly Draco Malfoy and on the verge of death. "'You can't still like him now that you know he was tricking you all this time,' said Ron." "'But that's just it,' said Harry, pacing Ron and Hermione's living room. "'He wasn't tricking me. "'He was in disguise for perfectly legitimate reasons, "'and I just happened to fall for him. "'I've gone over it a thousand times. "'At no point did he try anything with me. "'I made all the moves.' he pretended to be straight,' said Hermione thoughtfully. "'He went out of his way to keep the relationship platonic. "'Even though, by the sounds of it, he's wanted to date you for months. "'I just keep thinking about all the times I complained about Draco to Lamb, "'said Harry. "'Fucking hell. "'And he just sat there and took it.' "'He should have told you earlier,' said Ron stoutly. "'I'm sure he liked having a friendship with Harry "'that wasn't bogged down in their past,' said Hermione. "'He has changed, you know, Harry. "'He wrote me a letter after the war.' "'Was it ridiculous?' asked Ron. "'Because mine was ridiculous.' "'Dear Weaselby, I've written this in nice permanent ink "'because I know how much you are going to treasure it. "'You see, you were right about everything, and I was wrong. "'I'll write the next bit in big, in case you'd like to frame it. "'I'm sorry,' signed Draco L. Malfoy. "'For what?' you ask. "'To which I answer, everything.' All those bad things. Truly sorry about them. Deepest regrets, etc. Accidentally poisoning you comes to mind, as do various mother-based insults throughout the years. Anne Weasley is our king, although I do still believe that to have been one of my finest pieces of writing. Isn't it tragic when bad men make good art? Do let me know if you want a recommendation for a framers. I know a marvellous chap off the king's road who does it practically for nothing. I wrote this whole letter in my best calligraphy, especially for you, Weasel. I hope you appreciate it. I truly am sorry. Yours sincerely, Draco L. Malfoy. Harry handed Ron back the letter with a smile. Oh, what's weird is that I sort of get it now,' he said. "'Like, it may be hard to believe, but now I realise that he wasn't trying to be a dick with these letters. "'He was just too awkward to apologise without making jokes.' "'Surely that was obvious,' friend Hermione. "'It was obvious to me he had changed because he was trying to include me in his humour "'rather than using it as a weapon against me. "'What was yours like?' "'Dear Hermione Granger, "'Listen, look, fine, I shouldn't have mocked your teeth.' "'Which look great now, by the way. You're really quite good-looking these days. "'Honestly. Much better, in my opinion, to be an ugly child who blossoms into adulthood than the other way round. "'Of course, I'm fortunate to have been a beautiful child who has grown into a handsome young man. "'I'm actually not sure where I was going with this. "'Sorry for calling you a mudblood. God, that was abrupt. "'Did you know this is the fourth draft I've written of this letter? "'They all keep turning up dreadfully, so I've determined to send this one "'regardless of how poorly structured and rambling it turns out to be. "'Has your arm recovered from where my Aunt Bella cut you up?' That was a horrid incident. If you ever return to Malfoy Manor, I assure you that you will be served only tea, cake, and gratitude. No more torture for you. Dear God, I am uncomfortable writing to you. Ah, look. I've been a horrible little shit to you almost my entire life, and there's nothing I can do to make up for that. But you should know I feel utterly ashamed of myself and think about you at night and wince into my pillow and just want to die. This letter is incredibly self-indulgent, actually, isn't it? The third one was better, but I burned it in the optimistic belief that I could improve on it. I guess what I'm getting at is that I don't expect to be forgiven, and you're quite within your rights to hate me forever, but I thought you should know that I'm sorry, and that I know you're cleverer than I am. That's not really related to the apology, but I thought you'd appreciate it. Right. I think I've embarrassed both of us sufficiently. I wish you every happiness. Sincerely, Draco L. Malfoy. That was way more genuine and heartfelt than mine, said Harry. Luna says Draco's more comfortable around women, said Hermione. "'I mean, it's still a shockingly bad apology letter,' said Ron. "'Couldn't he have just followed a template? "'Sorry I was a bigoted blood supremacist bully, sincerely, Draco Malfoy.' "'I think he really thought about each person he was apologising to "'and what he had done to them,' said Hermione. "'He just misjudged the tone.' "'He was coughing up blood,' said Harry. "'He said he didn't have long.' "'He frowned. "'He never got to go to Cairo. "'I rescued him from that fucking fire. "'I spoke for him at this trial, and I thought he was safe, you know?' ''You've known Draco was dying for a while now, Harry,'' said Hermione. ''Yeah, but I didn't know he was one of my best friends.'' Hermione and Ron exchanged looks. ''What are you going to do?'' asked Ron. ''He's in love with me,'' said Harry. ''I don't even know what to do with that.'' ''Do you love him back?'' asked Hermione. ''How can I? This is so confusing and bloody hopeless.'' Harry sank into an armchair and put his head in his hands. ''I don't want to fall in love with him. It's too fucking sad as it is.'' Ron and Hermione offered comfort, attempted solutions but it was no use. The fact was, the only person Harry wanted to talk to was Lamarick. Draco was lying in a little single bed in a tiny attic bedroom with a slanted roof. He looked very small, wearing old-fashioned pyjamas and propped up on about ten fluffy white pillows. He was, bizarrely, holding an embroidery hoop. "'Is this where you live?' asked Harry. "'It's a bit shit. Aren't you supposed to be some sort of millionaire playboy?' "'It has character,' said Draco defensively. "'How did you get in? Your mother let me in. She's gone back to the manor to have a rest.' Harry looked around for a chair, found that it was covered in clothes, and sat down at the end of Draco's bed instead. Draco moved his legs out of the way with a suspicious look. Shouldn't you be at work? he asked. Nah, said Harry. I quit. Draco put down his embroidery hoop. What? You were right, said Harry. It's got terrible work life balance. Anyway, this way I get to keep you company. Draco looked truly alarmed. Keep me company? If you don't mind. Only I realise the only person I want to talk to about you is you. Draco stared for a few seconds before answering. Who am I to deny the saviour of the wizarding world what he wants, he said. Harry tilted his head. If you said that as Lamarack, I'd think it was quite funny. But when you say it as Draco, it feels as if you're lashing out. I'm not lashing out, said Draco. Harry grinned. Okay, he said. Cool. Good. He got out his rucksack. You don't need anything, so I brought you flavoured ice cubes. That sounds dreadful, said Draco. Let me try one. Harry handed him the tray of frozen fruit juice he had made the night before. Draco ate one tentatively like a small animal in the wild. "'It's all right,' he said. "'You know, this is actually great,' said Harry. "'Because as Lamorack, our conversations were sort of one-sided. "'Now we can talk about you.' "'Draco looked appalled. "'I'm a very private person,' he said. "'Oh, come on,' said Harry. "'I poured my heart out to you. "'You can tell me a few measly secrets.' "'I think you know quite enough of my secrets already,' said Draco pointedly. "'You're in love with me. "'I fancy you. "'We're quits,' said Harry. "'I thought you said it was complicated.' "'It is,' said Harry simply. "'Draco looked down, his fingers tightly gripping the embroidery hoop.' "'How are you feeling today?' asked Harry. "'All right,' said Draco. "'I'm on a low dose of morphine.' "'Muggle medicine?' "'Don't start,' said Draco. "'I wasn't. "'I just meant, surely magic medicine is better. "'It has diminishing returns, and morphine is addictive, "'so I've been alternating. "'I go on the St. Mungo's pain reliever in the evenings "'when the Slytherins get home from work.' "'So you're bed-bound now?' asked Harry. "'Draco shifted on his pillows. "'I'm—well, I'm trying not to think of it as permanent. "'Maybe I'll have another good day and I can go outside again.' But in the meantime, you're embroidering, said Harry. I'm making a delightful handkerchief for Pansy to weep into at my funeral. Are you actually? Draco handed him the embroidery hoop. It was full of embroidered words and symbols. I'm watching you, a little ghost. Forget me at your peril. You're going to get wrinkles, and I never will. Eight snakes with tiny embroidered names beneath them. Draco, Pansy, Blaze, Millie, Daphne, Astoria, Greg, Vince. This is by far the creepiest gift I have ever seen, said Harry. And I have been given a lot of creepy shit by fans. Draco looked pleased. "'Thank you,' he said. "'What kind of creepy shit?' "'Oh, God, where to begin?' said Harry. Draco took the embroidery hoop off him and continued his work. "'I guess the most horrific one was the person who sent me their ear in the post.' "'Their? ear, Their actual ear?' "'Yep. It was under a stasis charm. "'It was in my first week starting at the Aurors, and I was already overwhelmed, right? "'Because everyone was being fucking weird about being in a class with me.' "'Once he had told the ear story, he told Draco about the girl who baked him cookies. "'Normal, right? Cookies?' Well, she watched me eat one, with this crazed look in her eyes, and then she said, I salted it with my tears, and told me she'd been in love with me since I was a baby. Draco's laugh turned into a blood-splattered cough. Harry summoned him a glass of water. Are you all right?" No wonder you don't love me back, said Draco. You're used to such high romance. If I gave you a cracker with my cum on it, would you reconsider? (laughs) Oh, absolutely, said Harry. That would just about push me over the edge, I reckon. Draco smiled and leant back into his pillows. "'You're not angry,' he said. Harry squeezed Draco's ankle through the thick duvet. "'No. I trust you, Lam. "'Are you going to keep calling me that? "'Not if you want me to stop.' "'I don't mind it,' said Draco. "'It reminds me of how I would feel if I met you for the first time now,' said Harry. "'Dear God, that man is dying.' "'No. Dear God, I haven't met someone this funny and easy to talk to in years.' (laughs) "'Laying it on a bit thick, Potter,' said Draco. "'Oh, shut up and eat another ice cube,' said Harry.' Have you got any apple-flavoured ones? Yep. Draco ate another ice cube. Go on, he said. Tell me more about your creepy fans. I'm monologuing, said Harry. It hurts to talk, said Draco. This is the perfect opportunity for your egotism to have free reign. You're joking, aren't you? If you said that as lamb, I would think you were joking. Assume 90% of what I say is a joke, Potter. Was that true in school, too? asked Harry. A lot of my cruelty was me trying to make people laugh, yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you talk. Okay, so, creepy gift number three. A love poem written in blood. Was it good poetry, at least? asked Draco. Stop talking, said Harry. This is my time to shine. Of course it wasn't good poetry. Draco's hands grew still as Harry talked. He winced from time to time. Are you okay? Harry would ask. Draco would nod. Go on, he would say. It's distracting. After an hour, Harry's voice was hoarse, so Draco chose a book, and Harry cast a reading charm on it. Draco drifted in and out of sleep, but he always seemed reassured to find Harry still there at the foot of his bed. So Harry stayed. Chapter 14 Number 33 Experienced Stendhal Syndrome at the Uffizi Gallery Draco! Draco, wake up! Harry and Draco both sat up, blinking. Harry had fallen asleep at the foot of Draco's bed, and Pansy Parkinson was back from work, shouting as she came up the stairs. Disgusting, sweaty Tim! asked me out on a date! She continued, barreling into Draco's bedroom. Oh, she said. Potter! I'll go, said Harry. Stay, said Draco, if you want, he added. Okay, said Harry. Draco hid his embroidery under the bed as Pansy kicked off her shoes and climbed into bed with him. He put his arm around her shoulders instantly, without any negotiation. It was clear that they often sat like this, cuddled up together, clicking into place like jigsaw pieces. "'Did you eat?' asked Pansy. "'Harry cast a nutritional spell on me earlier.' Pansy looked at Harry. "'I know he's persuasive, Potter, but he does actually need to eat food once in a while.' "'It makes me nauseous,' said Draco plaintively. "'I hate feeling nauseous.' "'You're only nauseous because you're hungry. "'Dipsy!' "'A house elf appeared in the room. "'Miss Pansy!' "'Hello, Dipsy. Would you make Draco some mashed potatoes?' Draco groaned. "'Of course, miss,' said Dipsy, with a wary look at Draco, and disappeared. "'You're a tyrant,' said Draco. "'You won't even let a man die in peace and dignity.' "'God, you're whiny. Has he been whining all day, Potter, or has he been saving it for me?' "'Er,' uh, said Harry. "'Did disgusting, sweaty Tim really ask you out?' asked Draco. "'Doesn't he understand you're out of his league?' Blaze strolled into the room, looking relaxed. He froze when he saw Harry. "Ah, oh, shall I just—' "'I'll go,' said Harry, looking at Draco questioningly. "'Stay,' said Draco, looking from Harry to Blaze. Blaze shrugged his assent and climbed into bed on Draco's other side. Harry was suddenly aware that Blaze was very handsome and the single bed very narrow, and that Draco looked just as comfortable being held by Blaze as he did holding Pansy. He remembered Lamarack saying he'd slept with one of his friends, and had a sneaking suspicion he knew which one. "'Isn't this cozy?" asked Blaze. "'Have you been here all day, Potter? I hope Draco has been a good host. He keeps pretending he's ill to get out of things. Did he offer you a drink?' "'Not everyone's an alcoholic, Blaze,' said Pansy. I'm not the one who keeps a bar cart in her bedroom. Mops! Another house elf appeared. Despite the fact he was wearing a pillowcase, he looked very well turned out. Master Blaze, you dear old thing, aren't you a sight for sore eyes? I'm so comfortable. Would you fetch us a round of gin and tonics? His nose dipped close to Draco's face. Draco turned to look at him with an easy intimacy. You'll have one, won't you, darling? Draco shook his head. Doesn't mix well with morphine, he said. Some water and lemon for Draco Mops. And better make it five gin and tonics. The girls are bound to be here soon, said Blaze. Is Pansy not a girl? asked Astoria, walking in and sitting next to Harry on the bed as if she did it every day. Hello, Harry, Mops. Blaze, you're disgustingly lazy. We all know Boozy Parkinson has opened up a bar not ten metres away in her bedroom. That bar cart was on sale. It's an antique. Harry Potter! cried Millicent, who had just walked in arm in arm with Daphne Greengrass. Harry widened his eyes at Draco, hoping for moral support, but Draco only smirked. Oh, stay right there! She ran away. "'I never get to sit on the bed,' complained Daphne, unceremoniously pushing Draco's clothes off his chair and sitting. "'Hello, Harry. I'm Daphne. Do you remember me?' "'A bit,' said Harry, weakly. "'Are all the bedrooms this, uh small?' "'No, no. Draco's is by far the worst,' said Daphne. "'It's damp, too, isn't it? And it gets such bad light.' Harry looked at Draco, but Draco's gaze slid away from him. "'Pull the short straw?' asked Harry. "'He's got the shit bedroom because he was a shit person,' said Blaze cheerfully. "'Yes, Blaze, thank you,' said Draco. "'It was sort of penance,' said Daphne. "'It wasn't penance,' said Pansy. "'It was proof of good faith.' "'I moved in right after the war,' said Draco, as if that explained everything. There was a flash and a cackle from the doorway. Millicent had just taken a picture of them on a large camera that reminded Harry painfully of Colin Creevy. Amid the general outcry that rose up from the Slytherins, Harry heard Draco's voice, low, concerned. "'You're right, Potter,' Harry smiled at him. ''Fine,'' he said. ''Thanks.'' ''Look,'' Millicent was arguing. ''When Draco's kicked the bucket, a photo of him in bed with Potter will go a long way to help out Narcissa.'' ''Oh, please,'' said Astoria, ''as if you're thinking of Narcissa. You just want to see your name in print.'' ''I'll pose for a better photo with Draco if it'll help Narcissa.'' The room fell silent. Millicent's eyes were bright with something Harry didn't trust, and a slow, delighted grin stretched across her face. ''What a good idea, Potter. A photo shoot. Would you do it topless?'' Dipsy appeared with a plate of mashed potatoes before Harry could answer. "'Dipsy!' exclaimed Blaze. "'You are looking marvellous today.' "'Thank you, sir. "'Will Master Draco be wanting his potatoes now?' "'I would like them five months ago, when I might actually have been able to enjoy them,' said Draco. "'But he took the plate from Dipsy when he saw her confused expression. "'Thank you, Dipsy.' "'Can you do a Sunday roast, Dipsy, my love?' asked Blaze. "'I know it's not Sunday, but I could murder a roast. "'For all of us. Thank you. You are an angel.' "'Dipsy expressed her enthusiasm loudly and fervently "'before disappearing with a crack.' "'So you guys don't really cook, huh?' said Harry. "'Draco learned how to make beef bourguignon,' said Astoria. "'Not very well.' "'I should have started simpler,' murmured Draco. "'Eggs. I'd have liked to learn how to soft-boil an egg.' "'You just boil the water?' said Harry. "'You're overestimating Draco's cooking skills, Harry,' said Daphne. "'Look, does no one want to hear about how disgusting Sweaty Tim asked me out?' said Pansy. "'Disgusting Sweaty Tim? Did he really?' asked Astoria." You could do worse, said Blaze, than disgusting sweaty Tim. Pansy, said Blaze, with an evil grin. You dated Draco. True, but I never let him fuck me, Blaze, said Pansy, sweetly. Ding, 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 said Millicent. That's one win for Parkinson and Zabini is out for the count. Is Greg coming? asked Draco, apparently unperturbed by all of this. He's at Theo's, said Blaze. His voice was gentle. Right, right, said Draco. I forgot. There was a pause. Blaze rested his cheek on top of Draco's head. He had a strange, pained look in his eyes. He's been busy, said Astoria. Come on, Pans, this Tim, said Draco, falsely cheerful. He's disgusting, he's sweaty. What are you going to wear on your first date? Ha ha, obviously I couldn't reject him outright, because he is my boss. That's really inappropriate, said Harry. "Mm, But I had a hard enough time getting this job, and he knows it, said Pansy. So, I come into work this morning, looking gorgeous, as usual. Obviously, I understand how he came to be so infatuated. However... Harry drifted in and out of the story, which took a long time to tell, because the Slytherins kept interrupting. Draco had closed his eyes, a small smile on his face. Occasionally, he frowned, clearly in pain. Each time this happened, Blaze or Pansy would kiss his head or squeeze his shoulders. Harry was surprised by how comfortable it all felt, how little seemed to be required of him. He drank his gin and tonic and watched Draco, wondering how many nights the Slytherins had spent like this, cramped in Draco's terrible attic bedroom. At eight p.m., Narcissa arrived. Everyone got out of bed except for Draco, so that Narcissa could reach to embrace him. She pulled quickly away. "'You haven't changed your bandages,' she said. "'It's not a problem,' said Draco. Pansy looked stricken. Potter was here. I didn't want—' "'It's fine,' said Draco. Harry had a hollow feeling in his chest. "'I shouldn't have stayed,' he said. "'Don't be ridiculous,' snapped Pansy. "'This is the happiest Draco's looked in weeks.' It was distressing that Draco was too weak to be outraged by this statement. Never mind, said Narcissa. I'll help you with them, Draco. Blaise set up a cot for Narcissa to sleep in next to Draco's bed with routine efficiency, and the Slytherins trickled out of the room. Uh, good night, said Harry. Have we scared you off, Potter? asked Draco. Will you be fleeing to the warm embrace of the Gryffindors? (laughs) See you tomorrow, Malfoy, said Harry, with a grin. Harry arrived at the same time the next day. Draco wasn't surprised, but he was pleased. For the moment, anyway, he seemed to have Harry's attention. Harry sat on the end of his bed again and chatted away about his life the way he used to when Draco had been lamorak. Draco could not help but admire the easy way Harry talked about himself. It filled silences so well and was so comfortable. He knew it wasn't always, knew that Harry was surly and taciturn in interviews, but that made Draco feel special. Around mid-morning, Draco staggered to the bathroom. There was an IV drip there. The muggle healers had told him to leave it in, but he couldn't stand it, so he unhooked the tube from his arm most of the time and reconnected it only when the pain became unsustainable. There was a piece of plastic in the crook of his left elbow that made it simple enough, and he understood the dosage. It wasn't all that different from potions. He'd have liked to have been a healer. There was another reason to keep the IV in the bathroom, even if it became harder for him to get out of bed. With it in, his left arm would have been uncovered, and he didn't particularly want to see Harry flinch away from him again. When Pansy came in at five, she and Draco went to the bathroom and she changed the dressing on his chest. "'It's getting worse,' she said. "'Everything's getting worse. Except for muggle technology, that's getting better. They can do some clever things on that internet of theirs.' Pansy lowered her voice. "'He stayed all day again.' He feels guilty, said Draco. Don't read into this. Pansy pursed her lips and stuck down a stray bit of gauze with tape. When they went back into the bedroom, Harry looked as if he was stealing himself to say something. You don't have to leave the room to do that, he said. I mean, maybe you're just shy or whatever about your body, but, you know, you did need modelling, so it seems like you're not. My body has changed a lot since then, said Draco. Okay, yeah, said Harry. I just mean... I know it's awkward, because... I'm really sorry, I I just... Pansy caught Draco's eye and they both burst out laughing. What? asked Harry hotly. It's just... said Draco, wiping at his eyes. Oh God, you're so guilty, said Pansy. He's the real bastard around here, said Draco. I mean, I know I tortured people and willingly joined the Dark Lord, but Harry Potter, what a screw-up. He's so unused to it, said Pansy, holding her side. No, come on, Potter, don't be offended. It's cute, really. I'm just trying to say you can dress his fucking scars in front of me next time. Draco and Pansy laughed harder. But the next day, Harry was still there when Pansy came in. Are we really doing this? she asked. Oh, yes, said Draco. Let's give Harry something for his wank bank. Yeah, I get off on guilt, said Harry, but he looked nervous. Pansy helped Draco unbutton his shirt. The gauze underneath was stained with blood. You're hurting me, complained Draco. as She peeled it off, just as he always did. Stop whining, said Pansy. Aren't you supposed to say, Tis barely a scratch? It's not a fucking scratch, said Draco. Fuck, said Harry. His eyes were wide with horror. Draco supposed they didn't look great, his scars. It was as if he had been slashed with a knife a few days ago. The muggle doctors had tried to give him stitches. It was only by confunding them that his mother had persuaded them to let him go with just the morphine. "'Fuck,' said Harry again. Pansy rolled her eyes. "'Spare me,' she said. "'You weren't fussed when you did it to him, so don't start now.' "'I was fussed. It was, it was horrible.' "'It is barely a scratch,' said Draco softly. Harry was literally biting his knuckles. "'Fucking fuck, Draco!' I know I'm very attractive, but now's hardly the time, Harry. Pansy snorted and carefully pressed the dressing onto his skin. Shouldn't you have a a, a nurse or something? asked Harry. St Mungo's offered, but I didn't want one, said Draco, buttoning his shirt. Does it hurt? asked Harry. Everything hurts. I'm incredibly brave. I thought we had covered this already. Make sure that's in my eulogy, Pansy. However much he suffered, he never complained. He was almost saintly in his forbearance. Do they still make saints, by the way? You have to be a Roman Catholic, said Pansy. Number 365, convert to Roman Catholicism, said Draco. That's not really on your list, is it? asked Harry. (laughs) See for yourself, said Draco. Draco tossed him the notebook with his bucket list. Harry bent over it, reading it carefully. But, Draco, these these are all travel, said Harry. No, they're not. At least half of them. Visit the pyramids? Swim in the Dead Sea? Go snorkelling in the Great Barrier Reef? I did go snorkelling, actually, said Draco. Only it was in Wales, Pansy shivered thought that was cold.' "'But,' said Harry, sounding increasingly upset, I-, "'I thought it was only Cairo and Petra.' "'The world is big, Harry,' said Draco quietly. "'Where even is the Uffizi Gallery?' "'Florence,' said Draco, tapping his fingers against his leg. "'I wanted to see Botticelli's Primavera.' "'Sorry,' said Harry. "'I didn't mean to—' "'Shit, sorry, that was really inconsiderate of me to bring it up. "'All of it. "'Sorry. "'Shit. "'Draco.' said Pansy, peering over Harry's shoulder to look at the list. How come use one of those Japanese toilets that wash your bum for you is it twenty-six, but tell Pansy you love her is it eighty-two? Draco felt his face grow hot. The numbers don't necessarily... Anyway, I crossed number eighty-two off, didn't I? You've never told me you love me, said Pansy. She paused to consider him. This is quite embarrassing for you, isn't it? I mean, you must really love me. Shut up. I do not, said Draco. Do I even like you? Mused Pansy. Hmm, let me think... "'I crossed it off because it was stupid,' said Draco. "'Words are cheap. "'It's much better to show that sort of thing. "'Merlin, can we change the subject?' "'Harry looked at him thoughtfully "'and turned the next page in the notebook. "'Chapter 15, Number 164, Watch the Sunset at the Grand Canyon "'After a few days had passed, "'no one even questioned Harry's presence in Draco's bedroom. "'He stayed for a few hours every morning, "'sometimes overlapping with Narcissa. "'He would leave when Draco fell asleep around lunchtime, "'go work on his various secret Draco Malfoy projects, "'and return in the afternoon.' With Harry around, Draco felt comfortable asking Teddy to visit because Harry could distract Teddy from the grim reality of Draco's health. Andromeda and Teddy started coming over a few times a week. Narcissa and Andromeda would sit on the edge of Draco's bed while Harry played nights with Teddy. Draco didn't say much, but he would watch Harry and Teddy with a contented look on his face, and he was always better tempered after they left. "'Look, there's an article about Luna's event,' said Harry. "Show," rasped Draco. His throat was hurting that day. Harry paused, then moved on the bed to sit next to Draco, the way Pansy and Blaze always did." Draco's body was hot all up and down, even though he clutched the duvet to his chest. He snuggled close to Harry to read the prophet over his shoulder. It's good, isn't it? asked Harry, as Draco read. He had learned to ask a lot of yes and no questions when Draco's throat hurt. Draco nodded. Lily looks nice. Hair, said Draco. Harry rolled his eyes. Yes, yes, she's fit because she has hair like yours, he said. Draco smirked, then coughed into his elbow. Harry rubbed his back. When Draco was done, he curled into Harry's arm. Is this okay? asked Harry. Draco nodded. I didn't go to that event, said Harry. I meant to, but then I ended up hanging out with your bloody Slytherins for about four hours after you went to bed. Ron and Hermione must think I'm abandoning them forever. Three weeks, said Draco. Harry's stomach turned over with dread. I don't know, he said lightly. I kind of like your friends. Reckon they'll let me hang out if you're not around? Draco shook his head with a smile. The door opened. Draco, oh, said Greg Goyle. Greg, said Draco, struggling to sit up. Stay. I, uh… I'm just going to get a glass of water, said Harry. For once, Draco didn't try to keep him. He didn't seem to even notice Harry, in fact. His eyes were fixed on Goyle. He looked more vulnerable than Harry had ever seen him, and Goyle seemed to be experiencing some equally complicated emotion looking at Draco. He approached the bed as Harry went to the door and knelt before it. I came to tell you that I forgive you, Harry heard him say as he went to the door. Feeling quite certain that Draco would not want him to overhear this, Harry hastened down to the kitchen. Harry did all the washing up by hand to pass the time. Twenty minutes had gone by when the kitchen door opened and Goyle came in. Potter, he said. His eyes were red and raw. there," Goyle, said Harry, with a nerdy little wave that made him hate himself. Goyle seemed so baffled by the wave that it looked as if it had made him forget what he meant to say. Although, thought Harry, maybe that was just Goyle's face. You spoke at my trial, said Goyle. Uh, yes, said Harry. Thank you, said Goyle. Any time, said Harry, then cringed because that made it sound as if Harry would happily bail Goyle out of the next hate group he joined. Goyle nodded and made to leave. "'Goyle, wait,' said Harry. "'Goyle paused. "'Can I have a look at your mark?' "'Why?' asked Goyle. "'I... I want to get... used to it,' said Harry. "'Weird,' said Goyle, but he lifted his sleeve and held out his arm. Harry took a deep breath and looked at it. Instantly, he felt as if he was sixteen years old again, realising Dumbledore was really dead, and that he would have to continue the search for Horcruxes alone, so alone. "'Potter?' asked Goyle. "'You okay?' "'Yeah, yeah,' said Harry. "'Can I touch it?' "'Is this a gay thing?' asked Goyle, suspiciously. "'Why, have a problem with gay people?' asked Harry, his hackles rising. Goyle shrugged. "'No, I guess not,' he paused. "'Draco's gay?' "'Just let me touch your mark,' said Harry irritably. Goyle held his arm closer, looking strained. Harry suspected that was his thinking face. "'I have problems with Draco, but not because he's gay,' said Goyle. Harry traced the snake on Goyle's arm. He tried to break the tattoo down into small parts. He felt tense. His heart was beating too fast, and he kept slipping away into memories. But he thought of how Draco had nodded to himself as he rolled down his sleeves and Petra, how Draco disappeared into the bathroom when he needed more morphine, and he knew he had to do this. First Vince, and now him,' said Goyle, his voice wobbling. "'It was always the three of us growing up. "'Goyle, I'm so angry with him still,' said Goyle, starting to cry. Harry gingerly patted his dark mark. "'But I don't want him to die.' He lurched forward into Harry's arms and sobbed his heart out. Harry stayed, wondering what Ron would say if he could see him, and murmured, "'There, there,' occasionally, until Goyle finally stopped weeping. "'Sorry,' said Goyle. "'It's okay,' said Harry weakly. "'Uh, is it all right if I have a look at your dark mark a few more times?' "'I'm straight,' said Goyle. "'Yep, that's really fine, Goyle. "'I don't mind if it turns you on, though.' "'It's not a sex thing, Goyle.' "'If I was gay, I would think about it,' said Goyle apologetically. "'You're not bad-looking. "'You know, I reckon I can probably find another ex-death-eater to help,' said Harry. "'No, no, I'll do it,' said Goyle. "'You spoke for me and Draco. "'You can use my arm for sex stuff any time. "'It's not—you <sighs> know what? "'Great. "'Thanks, Goyle.' "'In his tiny attic bedroom, Draco looked pale but happy. "'I can't talk,' he wrote. "'Tell me about Quidditch.' "'Which Harry gladly did. "'With a strange lack of surprise, "'he realised he was glad to do almost anything for Draco these days.' Harry seemed jittery and excited. "'I can't go downstairs,' said Draco. "'I told you. "'It's worth it, I promise,' said Harry. Draco sighed. He was reluctant to show Harry just how weak he was, but it didn't seem as if he'd have a choice. He slowly, slowly, slowly got out of bed. "'Can I carry you?' asked Harry. "'No,' said Draco, but he let Harry put his arm around his waist. By the time they got to the stairs, Harry was practically dragging him. "'Fine,' said Draco. "'You can carry me.' He tried to sound imperious, which was hard when all he felt was hopeless. How had he ever charged down staircases so easily? He knew now he'd fall down them if he attempted it. He was so dizzy. Harry scooped him up as if he weighed nothing. It hurt. Ow, for fuck's sake, Potter! I'm sorry, said Harry, who was in fact carrying him extremely gently. We're almost there. Almost fucking where, Potter? Your new room. My new what? But then he didn't have words, because he was in a room that didn't exist before. It was pale green, with a soft carpet and an ensuite bathroom. It had huge floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the garden. There was a wide, luxurious daybed in front of the windows which Harry settled him onto. Do you like it? asked Harry anxiously. Draco couldn't speak. Sparrows and larks fluttered around a bird feeder placed just at his eye level. A small pond had been added to the garden, and the sunlight glinted off it as it rippled lightly in the breeze. Is it okay? asked Harry. Yeah, he did. We can change it. Millie and I have been working with a charms expert to get everything done on time, but he can change anything you don't like. Or you can go back to your old room. But look, there's a trundle bed here for when your mother stays. It's really comfortable, I tried it. And there's space for everyone to visit you comfortably, and... It's okay, said Draco. He shivered. Harry tucked him up in the thick, warm duvet. Sit with me. Harry climbed into the bed and put his arms around him. For a few moments, nothing hurt very much, and Draco felt as if his body was vibrating with sudden relief. He had never once felt this content when he was well. Things were more vivid when they were coming to an end. The next morning, Botticelli's Primavera was propped up against the windows. "'Is this the right one?' asked Harry. "'Pansy said it was the one you wanted to see the most.' Draco tried to speak, but couldn't. His throat was so dry and raspy. He gestured for his notebook. "'You had a copy made for me,' he wrote. His handwriting was shit. It gave him a newfound appreciation for how lovely his handwriting used to be. "'No, it's the original,' said Harry. "'I had a word with the Italian Mage King.' "'Had a word?' Wrote Draco. Uh, said Harry sheepishly. "'I've agreed to go to one of his functions "'in order to tacitly condone his administration.' "'He's corrupt as fuck,' wrote Draco. "'Yeah, I know,' said Harry. "'Hermione's pissed at me. "'Here, I'll bring it closer. "'It's a really fucking old.' "'Late 15th century,' wrote Draco, "'as Harry brought the painting right up to his bed. "'It was huge.' "'Why do you like it so much?' asked Harry. "'Draco shook his head. "'He couldn't tear his eyes away from the painting. "'It was spring. "'It was joy and serenity and peacefulness.' Draco stared at the painting for a long time, almost without blinking. Harry stared at Draco. Finally, Draco wrote in his notebook. Thank you. Is there anything else I can do? asked Harry. Draco studied him. Would you kiss me if I weren't sick? he wrote. Yes, said Harry, and Draco's gaze seemed to sharpen, to intensify. But when Harry leant forward to kiss him, Draco coughed, somehow managing to moan in pain as he did so. He shook his head. I don't feel attractive, he managed to say. Harry bent his head and rested it against the bed frame. Draco didn't like it when people showed how upset they were, so he formulated his face. "'You fucking tease,' he said, when he was sure he could speak without his voice betraying him. Draco laughed. "'I'm frigid as fuck,' he wrote. "'I have to have the painting back in about an hour,' said Harry. "'I'll just leave you with it, yeah?' Draco nodded and returned to staring rapturously at the Botticelli. Harry sneaked away to the bathroom, where he heaved with dry sobs for twenty minutes before he could pull himself back together. Draco had little under two weeks left when the magical medication stopped working. "'For end-of-life care we can't really improve much on muggle medication,' said the healer. Next to Harry, Pansy nodded. Draco was swearing loudly on the daybed as if he could shout the pain away. The healer was able to give them magically modified morphine, which wasn't physically addictive and was administered slightly differently, although still via the drip. "'Come on, Draco,' said Pansy. "'Off the couch!' "'This is ridiculous,' said Harry. He rolled the IV in from the bathroom. "'This should just stay in your arm.' "'No,' said Draco. He gripped his head. "'No fucking shit on her dick that hurts!' The healer looked vaguely affronted. "'I'll walk you out,' said Pansy, and the healer gladly let himself be led away. "'Draco, I don't care about your stupid dark mark. Give me your arm. "'Hardy-ha,' said Draco, through gritted teeth. "'That's a good one.' Harry grabbed Draco's left arm and tugged up the sleeve. Draco's eyes flew open and he froze, staring at Harry in obvious trepidation. But Harry had been practising with Goyle. He had stared at Goyle's mark until it became almost meaningless. If anything, he now associated it mainly with Goyle gently and repeatedly telling him it was okay if Harry was turned on because Goyle wasn't homophobic.' Harry dropped a quick kiss on the mark. What the fuck, Potter? And connected the IV tube to the little plastic valve in Draco's arm. Draco's eyes drooped and his breathing steadied. What does it feel like? Asked Harry. Like falling in love, said Draco. Yeah, thought Harry glumly. It really did. The magically modified morphine obliterated Draco's pain. It also obliterated Draco. He drifted glassy-eyed through waking dreams and scarcely seemed to notice when people spoke to him. I'd like to be a bird, he said, when Pansy asked him if he was hungry. Such warm snow, he mumbled, when Harry tucked his white duvet cover around him. It grew harder and harder to spend time with him, because he wasn't really Draco anymore. He was some faraway creature who asked things like, Am I dead yet? Who smiled too much, and was enthralled by things Harry could not see. You need to take a break, said Ron. This is really getting to you. Harry just shook his head, and apparated to the Slytherin house. Pansy took a leave of absence from work. Narcissa was always at the house, wraith-like and absent-minded. Harry tried to talk to Draco about Quidditch, but Draco didn't seem to know he was there. Pansy tried lowering the dose. Draco's eyes went from vacant to agonised with no period of lucidity. He howled for his mother, not seeming to understand that Narcissa was next to him, holding his hand, her silent, icy tears coursing down her pale cheeks. They did not lower the dose again. Chapter 16 Number 77 See the Northern Lights "'I'm sorry,' babbled Draco. "'Father, I'm sorry.' Narcissus stood by the window, transfixed with sorrow, and Harry couldn't bear it any longer. "'I'll just get some uh, water,' he said, and left. Pansy was crying in the kitchen. He took her wordlessly into his arms and tucked her head under his chin. "'He's talking to Lucius again,' said Harry. "'Draco did this a lot, had long, harrowing conversations with his dead father, in which he wept and apologised incoherently. Pansy broke away and wiped her eyes. "'Sorry,' she said. "'It's fine,' said Harry. "'What's he apologising for, anyway?' Being gay, I think, said Pansy. Harry let his head bang into the kitchen cabinets. Fuck, he shouted. This is all so fucked. He buried his face in his hands. I've never lost someone I love like this. What? I've lost so many people, but always quickly, explained Harry. I've never had to watch them deteriorate. Pansy laughed, a wild, manic sound that set Harry's hair on end. You love him, she asked. Of course I love him. Pansy laughed more. She had started to cry again. He saved! The curse! You can save him! You can break the curse! You stupid fuck! Pansy, what the hell are you talking about? Pansy gripped his elbow and explained. In low, urgent words, she told him that Draco had been cursed to die and as Harry Potter told him he loved him and meant it. Harry didn't bother hearing her out. Once he'd understood the gist of it, he all but ran to Draco's room. He was furious. He ached with anger. He wanted to hit something. But when he got to Draco's bedside, his hands gentled and he stroked Draco's hair out of his face to get his attention. Draco opened his eyes. I love you said Harry. You absolute idiot, I love you. Draco closed his eyes and smiled. I love you too, he said dreamily. Harry kissed Draco's eyelids, his nose, his forehead. I love you, he said over and over again. Don't die, you stupid fucking idiot. I love you. Don't you fucking dare die. I love you. The healer arrived a few minutes later. Is the curse broken? asked Pansy. Will he live? The healer cast diagnostic spells for what seemed like an eternity. Harry and Pansy clutched at each other, hovering nearby. Narcissa Malfoy sat on a chaise long near the window, looking calmly out at the bird feeder, statuesque and beautiful. The healer stood. "'He's out of the woods,' he said. "'What uh, what does that mean?' asked Harry. "'The curse has been broken,' said the healer. "'From here all the symptoms will roll back, and the healing spells we cast should take effect. In six months he'll be good as new.' "'Am I dead yet?' asked Draco sleepily. Pansy rushed to his side. "'You're not dying,' she said. "'You're not dying, and you owe all of us about a million favours for looking after you so well.' "'Cold.' said Draco, with a small shiver, and Pansy, still crying, tucked fresh blankets around him. "'So he'll live,' said Harry. "'Yes,' said the healer. Narcissa rose to her feet and folded Harry in a warm embrace. "'Thank you,' she said. "'I didn't do anything,' said Harry. "'I didn't—' Draco was high as a kite, and there was no getting through to him. He wouldn't be well enough to lower the morphine dose for another week, at least. And there was something else as well, a fear that had been born the instant Pansy told him about the curse, that had been shunted to one side as Harry tried to figure out how to save Draco's life, but now was blooming in Harry's mind.' Harry loved Draco. He had thought Draco loved him too. But what if he didn't? What if all that had simply been a way to try and get Harry to love him? Not that Harry would blame him for it, not in the slightest. But his heart twisted at the sight of Pansy and Narcissa crowded around Draco's bedside. When Blaze came home and heard the news, his handsome face lit up with elation and he kissed every inch of Draco he could reach. What if Draco had wanted to be with Blaze? It was a mistake, Draco had said, after he slept with him. But there were a million ways a mistake could happen. Draco's people, Draco's family, surrounded him. Harry went home. Two weeks later. Pansy Parkinson appeared in Harry's kitchen while he was having breakfast. "'Your interior design is tacky,' she said, reaching over to steal his toast. "'I knew it would be.' "'How's Draco?' asked Harry. "'Better,' said Pansy. She peered at him. "'You've done something stupid in your head, haven't you?' "'How do you mean?' "'Some Draco will be happier if I'm gone nonsense.' Harry buttered himself a fresh piece of toast. "'I've been busy,' he said. "'Thanks for your letters, by the way.' "'Busy doing what? You look like shit.' Harry smiled grimly. Catching bad guys, he said. Pansy sat down heavily. You didn't. I did. Who was the bastard? His name was Sunjan Smith. His sister was tortured to death by Bellatrix Lestrange. How did you find him? Hermione helped. But Harry was the one who had caught the man. Harry was the one who had tracked him down. Hours of waiting outside his flat. A furious, desperate scuffle. Curses thrown left and right. Harry was the one who had been let off with a warning for doing aura work as a civilian. Don't suppose you could have found him earlier, said Pansy. "'It wouldn't have made a difference,' said Harry. "'He couldn't have reversed the curse, apparently.' "'So what's going to happen to him?' "'Ask a man if I have my say.' "'St. Mungo's if not," said Harry. "'Pansy nodded. draco has been asking after you,' she said. "'Harry let out a breath. "'Yeah?' "'Don't be an idiot, Potter,' said Pansy gently. "'We all know you love him. "'That's not—that's not the problem.' "'Salazar, you think he doesn't love you?' "'He said,' said Harry. "'Words are cheap. "'He only told me he loved me so that I would fall for him.' He was going to die rather than risk you feeling guilty about not breaking the curse. What? You heard me, said Pansy. Now stop being stupid and go and visit him. He misses you. Did he say so? Of course not, said Pansy. She tossed the crusts of the toast she had stolen onto Harry's plate. Visit him. Draco stood barefoot on the lawn, wearing his dressing gown and pyjamas. He looked up when Harry came to stand beside him. My hero, he said sarcastically. He was standing. He was being a little snot. He was staring at the pond, wiggling his toes in the grass. "'You're better,' said Harry, his voice thick. Draco looked away. "'If you say something boring right now, Harry, I'll kill you.' "'I love you,' Harry wanted to say. "'I don't know how to go forward now that I've already come to terms with losing you. Do you love me? I love you.' What he said instead was, "'So, how long until you're well enough to fuck?' Draco smiled a slow, seductive smile which was spoiled by the sudden onset of a coughing fit. "'A while, evidently,' he said, wiping blood away from his mouth. "'Merlin, look at that!' He held out his blood-stained handkerchief. That must have been half my lung. Felt like it. But you're getting better, asked Harry. Yes. Draco squinted at the sky. It's a nice day, isn't it? It was grey and overcast. Dirty city rain drizzled on them. Not really, said Harry. It's a bit anticlimactic, surviving, said Draco. Everyone's gone back to treating me like normal. You must hate that, said Harry. I loathe it. Say what you like about dying, but it does add a certain je ne sais quoi. Harry thought he understood. But all the same, he said, it's a nice day. Draco looked at him with serious grey eyes and nodded. ''Yes,'' he said, ''exactly.'' They ended up sitting on the grass. Harry took off his shoes and socks. There was something about the way Draco stared at the world as if it was new and beckoning that made Harry feel as if it really could be. Within fifteen minutes, Draco's head began to ache. He screwed up his eyes. ''It hurts,'' he said. ''We'll go back to Petra,'' said Harry. ''It hurts,'' said Draco. ''Let's take a gap year,'' said Harry. ''Let's go bungee jumping.'' ''I already did that.'' ''Oh, it hurts.'' ''You went bungee jumping?'' Draco nodded and leant sharply into Harry. "'You poor thing,' said Harry, holding him close. "'You're being so brave.' "'I am, aren't I?' said Draco. "'Oh, God, it hurts.' Harry helped him back to his daybed. He climbed in with him and kissed his frowning forehead. "'You're getting better,' he reminded Draco. "'But it hurts now,' said Draco. "'I'm so bloody sick of it. I thought it was over.' "'I know,' said Harry. "'You don't know anything,' said Draco. "'No one understands. You're all full of shit. "'A fucking twat and a vat that hurts.' "'So Harry just stroked his hair, murmuring into Draco's ear.' So brave. Everyone's going to admire how incredibly brave you are. Just wait until the Pope finds out. Saint Draco, patron saint of... Hmm, we'll figure something out. Listen to you, bravely complaining. When the headache abated, Draco let his lips brush gently against Harry's. Panzy said you think I only pretended to be in love with you for some convoluted reason only you can understand, he said. Harry ran a finger up and down Draco's knobbly spine. Draco was so fragile as if his bones had grown frail since the curse. But that's not true asked Harry. Draco snorted. Of course it's true. I could never fall in love with someone who thought so illogically. So you aren't in love with me because I briefly considered the idea that you might not be in love with me. That's right, said Draco, kissing him again. Cool, said Harry, smiling into Draco's mouth. Makes sense. How long till we can fuck again? Presumptuous, said Draco. Maybe we won't. Whatever you want, Draco, said Harry. I'm yours to command. Draco flushed. God, he said, his eyes darkening. When you put it like that... He winced in pain, his hands flying to his eyes. Oh, fuck off, head! More morphine? Please. Harry fetched Pansy, who knew about the dosage. Soon Draco was nodding off in a daze. Everything okay between you two? Asked Pansy. A foolish, drugged-up smile had crept across Draco's face. Harry hadn't felt this awake in years. Yeah, he said. Everything's great. Chapter 17 Number 3 Fall in Love Five months later. CHOSEN ONE CHOOSES DEATH EATER The Prophet is glad to report that Harry Potter is now in a serious relationship with none other than Draco Malvoy, divinely handsome Slytherin playboy and ex-Death Eater. In an exclusive interview with me, Millicent Bulstrode, Potter explained that he and the ravishingly good-looking Slytherin plan on travelling the world together. i sort of never taken a break, said Potter, staring besottedly at his handsome new boyfriend, and Draco just recovered from a near-fatal illness. We both want to see the world. The Prophet notes that Slytherins are generally a good-looking group. It's not just Draco Malfoy. When asked how he felt about his gorgeous blonde lover's death eater past, Potter was definite. Draco has proven over and over that he has changed. He is brilliant, kind, and determined. I know he deeply regrets his actions in the war and beyond. All of my friends approve of the relationship. No one is ever going to forgive me and this is all a waste of time, said the smoulderingly sexy Slytherin. Here at the Prophet, however, we feel that Harry Potter's judgment can be trusted. How come she never says anything about me being hot? asked Harry in outrage. Did you bribe her? asked Draco. You bribed her? You're so darling when you're cross, come here. Draco really was horribly good-looking, thought Harry, as he let himself be folded up into Draco's arms. Draco was almost completely better now, although he still claimed to be more tired than before. Harry dreaded to think how much energy he would have when he was better, if this was Draco tired. Draco went running every morning and swimming every night. He ate everything he could get his hands on. He went kayaking with Jack and Cornwall on weekends. He volunteered at the homeless shelter and had what Harry could only describe as therapy sessions with Seven. His body had become lean and muscular, strong and precise. His hair had grown lustrous and thick. The wounds on his chest had closed over, although Draco said they still ached when it got damp. He's confident, thought Harry, and vibrant, and mine. Draco didn't panic very often anymore. The last time, however, Harry got his wand out and pointed at him, unexpectedly when they were having a heated discussion about artistic merit in Soviet Russia— At least, that was what Draco had been arguing about. Harry had been arguing that Draco needed to come in from the cold. They had been in Lapland at the time, watching the Northern Lights. Draco had a medium-sized panic, but it transpired that Harry had only cast a warming charm at him. You were shivering, said Harry desperately, as he apologised. I'm sorry, you were cold. That night, swaddled in fur and lying on blocks of ice. Number 48, stay in an ice hotel. Draco rested his nose against Harry's. I used to think you wanted to kill me, he said. In sixth year, I thought I probably deserved it. Harry kissed him. "'Darling,' he said. "'I don't want to be boring,' said Draco. "'Please,' said Harry, "'be boring. "'It never occurred to me "'that you might love me. "'It was dark, "'and under the fur their bodies were warm. "'It didn't occur to me either,' said Harry. "'But I do. "'I love you so much, Draco.' "'How much?' "'Loads,' said Harry. "'Draco nodded. "'I suppose you know how I feel,' he said. "'I do,' said Harry shyly. "'But sometimes it's nice to hear. "'I love you, Harry.' Draco heard Harry breathe in sharply. They both said it so rarely. Loads, as you so poetically put it. Harry ran his hands up and down Draco's sides. Good, he said. Let's keep doing this then. Ice hotels? This, said Harry. Let's keep dating. I wasn't aware that was up for review, said Draco. Don't be a Slytherin for a second, said Harry. Okay, whispered Draco. I want to keep you, said Harry. I want to keep you, said Draco. I mean for a long time. Okay. A really long time, clarified Harry, as if Draco hadn't understood. Harry, this isn't a one-sided thing. We're both equally embarrassing about each other. Harry sighed happily and wormed his way even closer to Draco under the covers. I love you, he said. This has gone far enough, said Draco sternly. I love how funny you are. Stop this nonsense. I love your sense of adventure. One more word out of you and I'll shut you up the only way I know how, said Draco. There was a quizzical silence. With my dick, Harry. Oh, well... In that case, your good humour throughout your illness has made me respect. Then Draco shut him up. The only way he knew how. Harry said Draco still behaved as if he would die in three months. It was their biggest recurring argument. Harry was reckless himself, but he thought Draco went too far. For instance, when Draco wanted to go rock climbing in the Andes without rope or a harness. What's the worst that could happen? asked Draco. You could die, said Harry. Oh, that, said Draco. Should have happened ages ago. This is just the encore. That had caused their biggest argument yet. Eventually, Draco had conceded. He wore the harness when he went climbing. "'So first you boil the water,' said Harry. "'What about the salt?' asked Draco. "'You don't need salt.' "'Italians use salt,' said Draco. "'I'm quite sure salt is an integral part of the process.' "'I have always boiled water just fine without salt,' said Harry. "'If I wanted to learn how to make sub-par boiled eggs, "'I would have done so by now,' said Draco. Harry rolled his eyes. He was so adorable when he was pissed off. Had he always been adorable when he was pissed off? Was that why Draco had antagonised him so much in school? But no. He used to be terrifying. Draco remembered the panic attacks. "'Forget about the salt,' said Harry. "'Look.' "'Then you just put in the eggs. "'What if I would like to make one soft-boiled egg "'and one hard-boiled egg? "'Then you just take one egg out sooner?' "'What about altitude?' asked Draco. "'What about altitude?' asked Harry in a strained voice. "'Altitude changes the length of time you boil the eggs for,' said Draco. "'Why are you making this so complicated?' Draco drew himself up. "'I'm not making anything complicated. "'It is you who are underestimating the ancient art of egg-boiling.' "'Draco, come on. "'I don't want us to miss sunset on the Grand Canyon "'because we're bickering over fucking eggs.' I don't think either of us should fuck the eggs, Harry. I must stand firm upon that point. I'll fuck you soon if you're not careful, said Harry. They did not see sunset on the Grand Canyon that night. But that was okay, because they could do it the next day. There was a lot of time. Five years later. Which weekly? Spotted. Loved up Lamarac Toujours and his longtime partner, Harold Poitier, the mysteriously private couple were seen at Luna Lovegood's charity fundraiser, looking more in love than ever. Rumours persist that the attractive pair are none other than celebrated healer Draco Malfoy and Hogwarts Professor of Defence Against the Dark Arts Harry Potter in disguise, but both Lamarack and Harold refused to comment for which Weekly. Luna and Lamarack's charity events continue to raise millions of galleons for war-relief charities. For more pictures of last night's events, turn to page 17. That was the fourth and final part of The Bucket List, written and read by Gal Plasidia. There's also a 30-minute bonus episode where I talk more about the story. It's in the podcast feed right now. Tune in next week for the first part of a new jury pick. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating on iTunes, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? For more stories by me, head to AO3. I also have an Instagram, at LetThemeetBooks, with underscores and some spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you so much for listening.